After being in and around the nonprofit world since the early 90s, some of the organizations I've seen who are making the deepest impact are those with the entrepreneurial vision and courage to try and meet an unmet need they see in their community. A great example is One Good Turn, and you'll hear from CEO Sarah Lazinski how this innovative organization started with one program and has now grown to operate five cohesive social enterprises all under the same umbrella, thanks to leadership on fire to see beyond limitations and serve the underserved. On this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm excited to have a conversation with Sarah Lazinski, CEO of One Good Turn. I'm a huge fan of their organization. Sarah has been with One Good Turn for 12 years now and has helped the organization grow from a single program to five incredible social enterprises in the Denver metro area. Cafe 180, Housing 180, Good Turn Cycles, Shift at Mile High, and One Good Turn Counseling. Wow, can't wait to unpack all these. Sarah is dedicated to helping others, whether that be helping people find accessible food, housing, mental health resources, or jobs, or helping her team help others. Her role is primarily focused on leading her teams to concentrate first and foremost on the ways One Good Turn can serve the community well. One Good Turn has received multiple awards, among them being three-time Community Organization of the Year through the Englewood Chamber, very cool, Nonprofit of the Year from the South Metro Denver Chamber, awesome, and Channel 7 Everyday Heroes. Sarah graduated with a degree in education and specialization and certification in urban learning and education. Most importantly, she and her husband spent a lot of weekends attending the never-ending weekend events for their three kids. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So excited that you're here. And I know this is going to be a mouthful for you, but for somebody that doesn't know anything about One Good Turn, how would you describe the organization? Yeah, One Good Turn is a collection of social enterprises. So we have, like you said, five different ventures. Um, Our oldest and first flagship being Cafe 180, which is a pay-what-you-can restaurant. Um, We allow people to come in and pay what they can afford or nothing or work in exchange for their meal, um, believing that everyone deserves good food, good quality food. Um, The food is awesome, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it is good. I know. I'm always telling people, I'm like, it's really good. It's really good. I've been eating it for 12 years and it's still good. (laughs) There you go. I'm a good advocate for it. Um, Yep. And so then soon after that, we started a housing program where we do some directly out of transitional housing subsidies for two years. And then um, realizing the need for job training. And we can get into that a little bit later. But um, we did some job and we still do job training at the restaurant. But a lot of people would prefer to not be in the restaurant world um, for varying reasons. But we decided to open an electric bike shop to do job training. So um, I was a little skeptical at first. But if you follow the bike world and especially the electric bike world at all, It's been a big deal. So that's been a great um, opportunity for us to then do job training for youth. Um, And then we recently started a wellness center where we do um, sliding scale yoga, counseling, mindfulness, um, different entities that um, promote mental wellness and at a reasonable cost, which is all sliding scale. Right. So... 
tell me about these are when you say social enterprises, these are not only organizations that are doing great things, but they are full-fledged businesses and everything that comes with that. Marketing, right. sales, all of that. So, you know, talk to us how you how you bring all that together. Yeah, yeah. That is um a large part of my learning curve in this position, I would say. Um, I started at the cafe 12 years ago as the volunteer coordinator. Uh, was very certain that I would stay for six months tops. Um, and as we 12 know, years later, yes, take longer. I made it very clear when I was hired that I will be leaving. Uh, um, and yeah, I would say that we we have recently started looking at our social enterprises as two different programs. Um, and and not because they don't they have to be together, right? To be a social enterprise. Right. So, um, so it's important for us to remember that the reason why we do these businesses is to mm-hmm. have a mission. Um, that being said, they are very different, right? So we're doing things like paying for SEO and Google ad grants and right. things like that that are more business focused because right. we need people to come and buy our product in order to do our mission. Uh, we do fundraise and we do have, of course, grants and donors and, right. and things like that to make up for the lack of that. But our goal for all of our social enterprises is to get to a place of sustainability. And for each of them, that is different because foods margins are different than electric bike margins. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah, so it has been this understanding of we have these two different things to look at and we have different goals and different, um, you know, achievements for each of them and then different planning for each of them. Um, which I think, I I don't know what someone would actually say about this, but I feel like when I do that, I'm using two very different parts of my brain. Right. And I think that's a valuable lesson for any nonprofit leader out there is you really need to have these kind of skills for sustainability. I love that you work that term in. Mm-hmm. because you have to be, you're a business. I mean, you're doing great stuff in the community, but if you don't have the money and the, you're not going to be in business and doing those great things anymore. Right. Right. So t- tell me a little bit about how you go from, you've got this cafe that's magnificent, serves great food. Anybody can come in, you can pay what you want, get a great meal. How do you go from there to you know, housing and then e-bikes and then a, and a venue. I mean, is it just kind of an opportunistic thing or, or how did those kind of evolve? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think that the base of that is is need that we saw through the cafe, right? Like you're like, okay, right. we want to help people with housing, but we're a restaurant, so we don't do that, right? It, we kept kind of finding ourselves wanting to venture into that, but feeling like that's not what Cafe Unity does. And it's really important that people know that about Cafe Unity. Like we are a space for resources and um, I'm so grateful for what Inglewood, especially like we used to be, I think one of two nonprofits in Inglewood and right. so many, and it's so fun. Right. Um, so there's other resources that we can point people to, uh, 10 years ago, we were like, gosh, I don't know, you know, like where yeah. do you and not that we thought we are very, very clear that we did not think we would be the answer to everyone's problem. Right. Can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But we did see more need, especially in the South Metro area, um, feeling like the resources were lacking when we started these other. Yeah. Um, so there was that, there was need definitely. like I said, with job training specifically and with housing specifically, right. um, our founder actually 
set out to do housing and then found this restaurant model and did that instead. So she still has a huge passion for housing, particularly. Wow. Um, which housing is an animal. It's a <laughs> huge deal. It's a whole other thing. And so right. all that to say that there's that. And then there's also the entrepreneurship piece of it that we were like, we also want to find good opportunity. So right. I think electric bikes became that good opportunity for us to do job training where we were like, great, people are working with their hands. They're learning job skills. They're learning life skills. Um, and we can run a business that has proven to be successful. Uh, so I think part of it is that, right? The venue, the yoga, the mindfulness. Right. Um, we also see that as a kind of a future look into the world. I will say that there was a little oversight for that opening in January of 2020. With the pandemic, because we, yeah. <laughs> we opened up Interesting a timing, huh? to gather people um, yeah. in January of 2020, which has been, again, just a learning piece for us. And we're still there and we're right. happy to be there. But we do see um, that mental health specific um, mindfulness counseling, whatever that looks like. And it looks different for everyone um, being a, a need and right. I think we're seeing that in mental health right now. And so being able to be even a little part of um, an accessible mental health option, which I think, again, is really, really hard to find. Um, and then the venue piece is just essentially to make money. So that we Sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's super cool. Some of the greatest nonprofits that I've encountered throughout my career are those that have seen a need and figured out a way to step up and meet it. So um, when you, when the, the cafe was success and then the, the e-bikes, good, good turn cycles is a success. Did that give you the confidence that you guys needed to do, go out and do something pretty bold with a venue? Because that's, that's kind of taking it to another level. <laughs> it is taking it to another level. Yes, that is true. Uh, yeah, I do think that, I think that, um, I am becoming more of a dreamer, but I am, I, and I am trying my hardest <laughs> to, to see that, right? Like this is an opportunity and, right. big and I'm nervous. Um, our board and our founder have, have been, they're visionaries through and through, um, our founders specifically. And so I will say that it took a little bit more of a push than probably she would have appreciated <laughs> for me to stuff. Yeah. take that dive in. Yeah. And we have, we have support, which is great. And we have support through trying to figure out what it looks like to have a 5,000 square foot space in the middle of a pandemic and right. getting creative and being able to keep people safe while running a business that we really, like you said, kind of dove off this like, wow, yes, we're entrepreneurs. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I don't like this part of entrepreneurship. Right. Um, yeah. So I would say that we did see success and we continue to. Um, but I, I think it, it is this like, when do we dive off and when does it not feel right is, is definitely something I'm still learning. Well, and one of the reasons I think you guys have been so successful and correct me if I'm wrong is you kind of have, I think you have it down kind of the customer experience on both sides of the table where, where internally the people that are working for you, you're obviously treating them well, giving them job skills and everything else. And then at the same time, externally, you're providing a great product. How intentional is all of that? Yeah, definitely. That's a really good question. Uh, we talk about that all the time. We're saying it's a fine line, right? Knowing when to say this is a business and it's really important to give people what they 
want and need because it's a business. And then mm-hmm. this is a business that serves others. Um, right. And I think that that is my actual favorite part about my job. Is, um, it brings people together. In yeah. um, our whole mission and hope is that people who people feel worthy and they feel like they have inherent dignity and they, and it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Right. And we see that every day specifically at the cafe. We're like, God, it really is still happening. Right. And when it's not, we'll reevaluate, but right. And we've had to change a lot over the last 12 years, but I think that there is that, like we always say, it's a fine line, right. Where you're finding this, how do we make people feel worthy and, and see them for who they are and be able to to run this this business but i think that that's it's fun for me um that's <laughs> awesome of, and i think it gives people an opportunity right like we're always talking about is this like invitation to inspire people to think differently so it's not you can still eat a sandwich next to right. someone you maybe would never eat a sandwich next to on both sides right one but, thing i love about the place yeah but you're eating a sandwich and you right. have to eat so <laughs> really good sandwich by the way yeah <laughs> well and talk to talk to me a little bit about kind of the evolution that you've seen not only from what you guys are doing but just from the people that you serve in the communities that you're working mm-hmm. in over the last 12 years that's had to evolve a lot yeah, a lot. Um, and I think those are those are majority of the changes that we've had to see and and address, um, both positive and negative and in between. Right. Okay. Um, I think everyone is aware that the unhoused population has grown substantially in Denver, but um, also in the suburbs of Denver. Yep. We are in so South Metro has just seen this influx that um, we have had to respond to. Uh, when I first started at the cafe, we we had um, a different demographic, right? Like we Inglewood is that, which is why we opened in Inglewood. Right. Um, that it does have this really amazing. I mean, I have this heart for Inglewood, but um, really amazing demographic where there is collides of demographic all within like a two mile radius. Yeah. Um, but we are seeing definitely um, a different like wave of people who are unhoused, um, more addiction, more like mental health services needed, um, and have had to respond to that in a way that feels, like I said, dignifying and also right. keeps safe and, and allows us to run a business. And so there's definitely boundaries that we put in place. And I think that's true for anyone. Like you said, I've got right. three kids and I'm like, I need boundaries from them too. Right. <laughs> it's like just human interaction in general, yeah. is boundaries. And so we have had to have a lot of conversation around that. And like I said, um, Inglewood Littleton shared it. Like those, the Arapahoe County and the city of Inglewood for us have done an amazing job of um, resources for us, like first responders and just this um, support in what we're doing that uh, we haven't always felt. And so that has made it so much better for us to be able to say like, we've got people that can help us respond to whatever is happening right in front of us um, instead of feeling kind of like in a little bubble by ourselves. Right. 
So uh, yeah, it's been it's been encouraging, really. Well, great lesson there in in collaboration and looking outside yourself and your own organization to, to how you can enroll other people. And with it's almost like you guys now have created this this cool wraparound thing, where it's like somebody might come into the to the cafe because they're hungry. You find out they need some help with housing, so you do that, and then you find out that they they you know need. So a little bit extra help to become more employable so you can provide that. Do you have any any favorite stories? Not a fair question. Do you have any favorite stories of somebody that's kind of gone that full circle where they've come in almost like as a client or somebody seeking help to now they're on the other side working with you to help other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say we definitely have people who have done like multiple of our programming. Um, we have a staff member at the bike shop right now that is um, doing an amazing job. And he went through our internship program, which is just so fun. So he's young and he's awesome at his job and um, and has just grown and matured. And I mean, it's it's amazing you know where you're like golly i wish i i want to make that kind of leaps and (laughs) you know in my maturity right um and so yes we've seen that we've definitely had a lot of um intertwining with uh the cafe and housing which has been really fun so we we are seeing people who were coming into the cafe when, when they were unhoused going through a housing program coming into the cafe during that time and then now coming in as paying customers which is pretty amazing that is um, cool and so and same thing with mental health every every one of our entities benefits from the the mental health piece whether that's through classes or um any of that so and we have therapists that kind of come in and either work with people receiving our services or with our staff too so learning how to be trauma-informed learning de-escalation methods that kind of stuff um that we put into place that is fun too because it allows right hiring someone who doesn't know how to do that and has to do it on a regular basis right so that is so that is being very conscious of you know for lack of a better term the customer experience from both sides so you're training your people so they can provide that to the folks you serve which is again a great lesson in in business just being just good business so you know you've been with the organization 12 years now what really excites you every day and and keeps you doing this work? Yeah. um, It's interesting because I, I think had you asked me 10 years ago, what I would do for a living. And I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I really didn't think that I would end up in a leadership position. Like I was like, I'll always just work directly with people, Um, kind of on the ground. And I'm, seeing myself not doing that as much, although I'm at our entities a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm realizing that my inspiration is now coming from our staff members who are doing it. On our, like I, it's awesome. so inspiring to me to watch people and, and to find resources for our staff and be able to say like, Hey, you need a break. I can cover in the cafe for a day, which feels really fun for me and really freeing for you. Um, or, you know, and just kind of being a resource for them. And, and I think it's been kind of a little shift for me (laughs) because I did not um, necessarily go into my career thinking that that would be my job, but they right. inspiring to watch others 
be on the ground and do it. And I'm like, I did it too, but now I don't feel myself doing it as much. And so I'm like, it's really fun to be the support system and helping others do their job well. Well, and I have to say, last time I was in the cafe, Sarah did bring me my sandwich. So she yeah. still has some feet on the ground. I think maybe that's just wishful thinking. Yeah. Well, as you as you've evolved in this role, you know, going from kind of boots on the ground to now CEO of this big giant organization, what have been some of the the real leadership principles that you've leaned on and have helped you in this journey? Yeah. I mean, I I want this to not sound cliche, but (laughs) I know that it may, Um, but I really, I really want to be a leader who listens and follows and serves. Like I, that is a desire and it's not always how I practice, but um, I think that principle and that idea of like, I am not too high up or too good for any job that we have at our organization. Um, And just the idea of like knowing people, knowing names of people, knowing names of our interns. And um, that principle makes me feel like, what, you know, if I'm going to work for a nonprofit, (laughs) then that piece needs to be really important to me or else there's a lot of jobs out there that I can be doing. Yeah. Um, Again, that's, that's such a great lesson for anybody in any business it's human connection. It's, it's, um, empathy. It's all that, that, that you guys do every day. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was always, um, like that, that humility that sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I'm, I'm becoming too humble uh, <laughs> you know? um, <laughs> because I do think that this is a really big role and I feel really grateful to be in it. But, um, yeah, I do really want to make sure that I continue to see others well. Well, it is a fine line when you have that passion to serve, that that's what you want to do, that you get drawn to that. I've been in that same boat before where it's like, oh, I really love just, you know, I love to bring people their sandwich. (laughs) But at the same token, you you know, you're the leader and you're the CEO. So that vision piece too, right? That that strategic piece that people need, right? Like when you're doing it, it doesn't always feel like, oh, this is what needs to be done right right now today. But it's so important to give people a vision and promise them this big thing that you're like, you don't, you want to be a part of this. Right. Yeah. Um, so learning how to do that well too. So where do you think for you, this, this kind of service mindset comes from, because this is not the, this is the narrow path. You know, not everybody is, is always, you know, serve and, and, and make the community better. So where does this come from for you? That's a good question. Um, you grew up in a home that that um, really made this uh, a thing uh, that we do as a family. And um, I think the way that that I grew up is a little bit different than how I see it being done with one good turn, but just in general in the world right now. I really um, and I, I think that's that's not a negative. Um, I my faith is a big part of of why this is something that drives me. Uh, I I want to live a life where I love my job and feel like I'm going to leave a legacy of something positive. And um, I think that's important. As I bring up three small children, that um, 
I feel passionate if I'm going to leave to go to work every day, um, that I feel like it's something that I can really brag about. Uh, and they don't get it yet, but they will. <laughs> and so I think that piece of, of being able to be a part of something bigger, I just, I want, I want the world to be bigger and I want, um, and I think that my job allows me to meet people that make my world bigger. Well, mission accomplished. You're doing your, that's awesome. So to change gears just a little bit, um, as we wind this down, what is something that you will read, listen to, or watch today? Oh man. Um, I am currently reading very slowly. I don't read as often as I wish I did. Um, I'm reading kids. Come on. Can you (laughs) read it all? Yeah. Um, I'm reading difficult conversations right now. Um, and I think that is just the reality of, of this world in general, right? doesn't matter. Yeah. Especially (laughs) being in a leadership position. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, being able to do, do those well, um, I am, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm a nine on the Enneagram and, um, conflict is, it, it, I, I do it. I'm happy to do it, but it is really draining for me. So being able to have some um, tools to use for those. And I, I found it really helpful. So awesome. I'm, I think I'm late to the, the train with that book, but <laughs> <laughs> so who, who is a, this is again, not really a fair question, but who would you say has been a role model for you? In, in doing this work that you do and, and bringing you to this service, this mm-hmm. service mindset? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in our initial circle, our founder, Catherine, is a huge role model for me. Like I said, I think she, she is very encouraging to, for me to think bigger and be able to dream and be a visionary. And I started this role when I was 24 and like didn't think that way, you know, so I think in those are really big growing years and she's allowed me to see the world differently. Like I said, Um, I also think in this, and again, I'm like, I don't um, know her personally, although I wish I did, but I do love Brene Brown. And I think that idea of like humble servant leadership, uh, vulnerability, all that, she goes hard on that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I have loved her books too. Awesome. So other than one good turn, is there an organization out there that you really admire the work they're doing or would love to give a shout out to? You know, I just, uh, they're not a nonprofit, but they do really great stuff. Uh, I just visited for the second time, but in a while, Brewability. Um, oh, oh great I'm org. familiar with them, but it was just so wonderful to be there and really inspiring. And they do really amazing stuff. And yeah, the inclusion is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, Good one. Great. Yeah. So if anybody wants to learn more about One Good Turn or any of your enterprises, where should they go? What should they do? Yeah, they can go to onegoodturn.com and there are links to each of our entities on our overall website. And there's volunteer opportunities, obviously financial support opportunities, all that, right? Yeah, or they can just come in and you know rent a bike or take a class or eat lunch. Eat lunch. I, I recommend all of it. It's it's um you guys are one of my favorite organizations. Love the work you're doing. Thank you so and much. And grateful for your time today. Keep keep up the great work. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you love Sarah's passion for service as much as I did. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Charity and Event Services. If you're interested in how I might be able to bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn how you can support or volunteer with One Good Turn and any of their awesome ventures, visit onegoodturn.com. Check the show notes for links, and if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better. Thank you.